0: Welcome back everybody. This is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the mega city metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host Eric Anthony and this is episode 271. good pal welcome back to the show it's been uh it's been a long time it's nice for you to for you to reach out and for us to get back together to doing what we normally do
1: yeah no it's astonishing eh? Uh, especially during these times we live in time just sort of uh, well I, we were talking about this just prior it's almost like a time dilation effect uh over the past two years sometimes uh well you and i we were just saying we got out went out went. We went out to see The Eternals and, uh, just before, you know, prior to Christmas uh, in November, I think. And in some ways, it feels like yesterday. And in other ways, it feels like a million years ago.
0: I know. I, it, do, it really does. Well, there's so many things that happen in between, all types of things that we would normally be, like ta- normally be talking about on a weekly basis. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. How, oh, have, you, absolutely. how have you been? Absolutely. All, all things considered. It's a crazy time we're living in. It feels like I'm in a 1984 novel right now. But mm-hmm. all things considered, how are you?
1: Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. You know, I mean, like like you're saying, we, things keep happening and we keep uh, rolling with it. Right. As long as you, you, you know, have your health and your loved ones around you, that's that's the biggest blessing. Right. So,
0: yeah, it's uh, it feels like people have a lease on life in the sense of if you want to do something, go out and do it now because, you know, you never know when you won't be able to do that thing.
1: Absolutely. So, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting out and doing stuff. I, I even uh, popped in uh, uh, my friend uh, Aaron's son. Harry is the perfect age to take to this thing called the Avengers Station okay. that just closed at Yorkdale. It's I kind never of... saw it,
0: unfortunately.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun. I mean, uh, th- there's other sites, obviously. I think uh, there's one in there was one in New York City, and there's a, a standing site in Vegas. But it's perfect for us you know on a on a on a day when you got nothing else going on and you have a, a kid to entertain. Uh, this was absolutely perfect and uh, fun just to go out and do something nerdy, you know, take some photo ops with all of Iron Man's armor and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that really kind of uh, gave me a little bit of a a, a happy bump shall we say. So yeah. we can if we can do you know even the little things go out for you and I were talking going out for drinks with a friend the pleasures of just going to the bookstore yeah. and browsing you know like yeah. let's, let's not this is the gift of the pandemic. Let's not take anything for granted, right? All the small pleasures of life. Let's let's try to celebrate that.
0: Yeah, and the people that you enjoy spending your time time with, let them know and, and spend some time with them.
1: Really? Yeah, because yeah. This is, this is why I'm happy to spend time with you, my friend. Oh,
0: thank you, Sam. I appreciate Thanks that.
1: conversations, and, always and, uh, thoughtful discussions.
0: Right, and we got Comic Con coming up soon. Hopefully, I see yeah. you there. Uh-huh. That'll be nice. Or so you, you got a lot of things on in store. Like, let's talk about some of the things that are happening with Raid Since we're on the podcast, it's been sure, a while. Sure. What are some of the things coming down the pike for you yourself and for the people that you're working with? Because I know you're helping everybody out with projects. And yeah. helping them promote it. So give us give us the scoop.
1: Sure, I'll give you the quick rundown. There's essentially uh, four uh, crowdfunding campaigns back to back, overlapping that I'm helping with at uh, the Raid Studios where I hang out. Uh, <laughs> my good friend uh, Danish Mohidden, uh has a three 300- hundred character infographic this is amazing actually i should have uh, sent you a pic of it but he's curated over the past nine years a cartoon infographic of these 300 characters on a timeline of when they chronologically debuted juxtaposed against real historical events so it's kind of interesting to see the kind of trends in terms of like what wars were going on uh, uh, there's the Great Depression there's you know 9-11 first man on the moon Martin mm. Luther King you know giving his I, I have a dream speech and and it, it's funny you do kind of see in in this in this infographic how pop culture really, reflected the real world at that time. So he's taken, I believe, from uh, Frankenstein in the 19th century, all the way through the 20th century through to uh, today with the Mandalorian. It's, it's quite incredible that he's managed to curate and draw and research uh, 300 plus characters. So folk, if folks wanna check that out, uh, yeah, posters available in two sizes, signed numbered limited edition, I, I highly recommend that.
0: That's cool. Well, yeah, yeah. Will this be available and, for people who go to Comic Con and, and see uh, him there?
1: Yes, absolutely. But not the uh, signed numbered edition. So that okay. one will be available only through the Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll send you I'll send you the links for for folks to uh, have a look at those. Okay. And uh, Monday. The RAID studio, all, all, uh, most of our members are involved with a fantastic project. You're familiar with the RAID anthology, yep. uh, uh, where they come together and put out, uh, essentially, their creative visions un- unfiltered unhindered by the traditional public publishing model you know when you're working for publishers or doing work for hire often things are dictated to you as opposed to what do you as a creator want to create and the anthology gives the the members of raid studio and its extended community that chance to express themselves
0: yeah those are really cool books just in i mean the raid ones are top-notch professionals working on them but what's cool about anthologies like that is like you said when you have um creators who are in many ways established some on the rise and they're they're unhinged you sometimes see that first appearance of something that could become very very big one day and the place that they debut it or test the waters with it is in an anthology like this so it's it isn't, you know, some people might say, ah, oh, it's just, you know, one off stories. You don't know that one off story could be the next Thanos. absolutely
1: absolutely there's an example i think in i'm trying to remember if it's the first or second one but i think there was a character called machine boy that was recently picked up as a skybound character uh which is the folks that uh produced the walking dead and there was one day i guess we're we're at the studio people were completely baffled because suddenly they sold like dozens and dozens of copies of this one anthology on the web store like it was a spike and uh when we looked a little closer yeah it was because you know that weekend skybound had announced the that that uh yeah machine boy was becoming a a character and people were seeking out the first appearance it was hilarious yeah and and i mean
0: there's people who want to get it for the um uh what's the word now it's escaping me The speculation of what it'll be worth because it's a hot product but then there's the other part of just being a reader and and seeing seeing creations come to life it's like I don't know if you've been uh, keeping up or or even care about the Kanye West documentary on Netflix but I remember some of the footage that is live footage from that documentary documentary I remember it when I was 20 years old when it was all happening in real time so when you go back it it all of it brings you back and, and the journey that you go on with a, a character, with a personality, with a writer. It's always fun, to not just for selling it and, oh, I made this much money off of it, but mm-hmm. just to say I have this piece of history. It's really cool.
1: Well, even for me personally, it's kind of funny because this is sort of uh, my first story in a raid anthology uh, with my Ballyskillin, uh, my contemporary fantasy uh, comic series. Uh, with Andrew Dorland. And what happened was that we kind of uh, tried our hand. When we first met, we joined the Raid studio at the same time and then the lockdown happened and we kind of were, you know, uh, two of the only people there. And we kind of uh, uh, started, we tried out a collaboration. We did an eight page story uh, and, and found there was a lot of chemistry there and we had a lot of fun doing it. And next thing you know, we're working on a comic series together. But what happened was, uh, it's actually this short Ballyskillin story that happened first, and it's only now appearing in the Raid anthology. So, so yeah, you're you're absolutely right. There there are a lot of examples of that.
0: So that's this Monday.
1: Uh, yeah, that's this Monday, and uh, there's a fantastic. Uh, it's a it's a flip book format, and Ramon Perez, the creative director, Eisner award winning uh, Ramon Perez. Uh, uh, nominated this past year as as uh, best cover designer for Stillwater, I believe. Best cover artist. Uh, he is a phenomenal designer. So he's come up with this awesome flip book format and he's also very concerned with the presentation of the book. So the fact that the book unto itself, in terms of the design and the materials chosen, uh, is a work of art unto itself. Uh, whenever you see one of these sort of uh, Uh, raid press books you can really see how well thought out and how well designed they are and that's all to the fact that you know uh, as kind of a side interest uh, Ramon loves designing books so uh, there's a cover by Scott Hepburn who's best known for uh, Spider-Man Deadpool for Marvel he recently did Cosmic Ghost Rider and a phenomenal uh, comic for marvel unlimited uh featuring venom and carnage in that infinite scroll format
0: okay right. I which i that. thought
1: was amazing so yeah uh scott has done uh, one cover and then you flip it over and ramon has done another cover and there's uh contributors such as hoche anderson i don't know if you're familiar with him martin luther He's king yeah absolutely brilliant brilliant man who's uh created an award-winning uh fantagraphics graphic novel uh, uh, it's essentially the biography of martin luther king uh Derek Lothman who's done uh, star wars adventures i believe uh dax gordine uh of raid uh you know his forest folk Uh, webcomic series well he's uh, recently in this past year uh, done collaborations with Scotty Young including Marvel's uh, what is it called Giant Size Little Marvels which is kind of a fun kids uh, chibi version of the Marvel characters
0: yes yeah he was telling me about that when he was on a few months ago that's that's so cool that everybody's staying busy and seeing a lot of their work pay off but, you know, back to your point about Ramon's uh, book design, it mm-hmm. does make a difference when the book, like I like that you explained it in that term of the book itself is a work of art. Oh, absolutely. When when you, especially now, I think that's becoming a part of the reason why people are getting collected editions of some type mm-hmm. where they're reformatting things that have been out there before, but they're when they re-release them... They're upgrading them in a way where the book is a little bit more of the experience. I don't know if you've seen the the Last God, uh, the DC Black Label hardcover. No, book I haven't from, seen it from Philip, Philip Kennedy. Let me just—I'll show it to you. Yeah, yeah, grab it, grab it for sure. I know people can't see it because we're on audio only. We can we can but, describe it. But I was I was showing my friend Dave Molyneux the other day on the podcast. So it's from Philip Kennedy Johnson. This is it.
1: Oh wow.
0: Okay, and the uh, phenomenal, yeah, Ricardo Federici does the the art in it. But here's what's nice about it: when you take the dust jacket off, the texture of the book.
1: Oh, dude, yeah, that's wonderful. Right, with the with the art at the yep. back. It looks like if I'm, I'm is there's a little bit of embossing in there as well. Am I seeing that correctly? Not not so much. Oh, but, okay. But, but
0: the the book feels like like I don't know the the texture of it feels like what you're about to read in a way. You know, you're oh, eat. I see. Gotcha. But, but the but the inside of the dust jacket, it's got a map on the inside. Oh, that's amazing. It's beautiful. But then Yeah, yeah. So it's got that, and then when you, you flip the dust jacket open, it becomes this full map.
1: Oh my god.
0: Like just yeah, for yeah. the just for the book design itself, I think it's upside down. But
1: No, get, no, that's great.
0: Yeah. And it and it feels like you're gonna be on a Lord of the Rings Game of Thrones type of journey.
1: Well that's a real that's a real convention to fantasy books now. I uh, raid actually put out its first novel uh, this past uh, actually it, I, it hasn't been released yet but it crowdfunded in the late fall called uh, to Steal the Sun by one of our raid members uh, Sheldon Carter and uh, part of actually uh, we did the same thing. There is a map, because uh, that's part of the fantasy uh, genre that was a stretch goal. So you'll be seeing that as well on uh, an upcoming Raid Press book. It's kind of funny that you, you pulled that out, because uh, that's the exact thing we sort of talked about behind the scenes. as, yeah. as something that fantasy book, like you're saying, like George R. R. Martin or Lord of the Rings, that's something that they do. So that's, that's exactly what they did in this uh, fantasy heist novel.
0: And, and I'll I'll admit, I've fallen for purchasing a book because the book itself was pretty, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You hope the story matches, but there's some things where just having it on your shelf and flipping through it. And one an, an example, this is a, a good book, but thanks to Shane, I shout out to Shane because he put me onto it, is the Planetary Omnibus where the the, oh, the book God. itself is the – I forgot what the book is called inside of the Planetary The Com- Planetary
1: Guide. The it Planetary
0: Guide. Like- yeah, you, what you've got in your hands is the guide. Like it's – so metaphorical that it's perfect while you're reading the book. I like stuff when, like
1: that. When did you pick up the uh, omnibus? By the way,
0: uh, my wife got it for me as an anniversary gift a few years ago. But I had ah, okay. I had read it on Shane's recommendation. We did uh, an episode about it when me and Martin and Shane all re he, Shane reread it. We all read it for the first a book time. Club. It did a book club. Yeah, and um, I had it on my wish list just because of the fact that it's it's a cool book and it's deserving oh, yeah, to be yeah. in a deluxe format right with the john cassidy art and everything
1: yeah so, well it's it's coincidental that you mentioned this because over the holidays i actually picked up uh the planetary absolute editions because yeah. i'm a complete sucker for that larger format yeah. plus it's with a beautiful slipcase, dust jacket and uh all the extras in but it's kind of funny that that now there's the omnibus format in addition to the absolute format like you know it's it's hard to choose what formats you're you're gonna you're gonna do since i i had already sort of invested in uh the absolutes and it, it was a little larger that's the one i chose but yeah yeah could have easily just as uh, picked up i was i believe me i was eyeballing that omnibus at the same time
0: yeah and like now, I just finished reading um, Warlock from Jim Starlin for the first time, literally yesterday. Oh, wow. um, I absolutely loved it. I have it in a trade. I have it in an omnibus form because I, I collect a lot of the you know, yeah. Thanos stuff. But now they released it, I think, in some sort of oversized deluxe format. <laughs> I'm not sure. But I, I it's got to be beautiful because the artwork in it was – for that – time even for now like it's so psychedelic and so filled with details like you want to really peer into it right so i can see why people who are art collectors as well when it comes to the hobby not just the story i read the story but some people like enjoying the actual tangibility of look at this art in the best format Mm -hmm. possible
1: well, it is an embarrassment of riches because they now, now all this material is available in so many different formats, like just even choosing the format. Or if you're an obsessive collector like me, for example, I keep saying, I'm done buying Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. And yet, they, you know, I think uh, after the Absolute Editions, for example, I thought, OK, I'm done i'm finally done you know i've i've bought the original comics i bought the original graphic novels when they redid the designs of the graphic novels right. to to be you know matching i couldn't resist that i bought that and then the absolutes and then they got me with the annotated sandman so ah. i i had to uh buy that as well so hopefully that's that but but never say never right if they do something even cooler but this is the this is in this digital age Uh, And again, because my eyesight, I do a lot of reading over digital, but something about like, like even even just having the really nice tactile feel of a of a book. And uh, I think we might have talked about this before. In some ways, your bookshelf is like uh, a big game hunter's den you know with all his uh, stuffed animals their trophies like yeah. your bookshelf is kind of your your trophy case yeah. of you know the books and comics that you've you've curated and and read
0: yeah that's really what it is and sometimes i mean it, it is a, a like you said the wealth of riches to be able to collect and have all of these things available to you at our disposal, right? But mm-hmm. when you do get into it, and you do have limited space, like most of us do, you want to curate the must-reads and what I, I can't live without. And some of the stuff you have to part with, you're like, oh, that's a tough one. I don't know if I want to just because of oh, yeah. such and such or this and this. And But it's that's part of it, the hobby, right? Is you collect yeah. so much, you read so much that you also want to make sure that the what you keep on your shelf is worthwhile that you'll reread yeah. again but it's getting this, tough
1: well it's great that you can upgrade it's just sort of letting go of the older version of yeah. it because yeah. again it's like oh the original comics i i'm nostalgic for and all oh, the tr- original trades i'm nostalgic for and you know you could there's only so much of that right now yeah. let me ask you this does the warlock omnibus it collects the original starlin run Yes. I'm guessing. Yes. and then does it uh, go into like uh, Warlock and the Infinity Watch and in the later titles that Starlin wrote?
0: No, what it is, it's a it's sold as a Thanos on Omnibus, so it's um, oh I see Thanos Origin or Infinity Origin Thanos Wars. Yeah. That's what it's called. The okay. Thanos Wars Infinity Origin. So it starts off with his first appearance in Iron Man. And you get all of the Captain Marvel stuff that Starlin did up until yeah. he fights uh, – I forget the the villain's name that later on gives – Nitro. He fights Nash, oh, Nitro. Oh, yes, yes. And then, it, right, and then he goes into the Warlock run and then it ends off with Final Threat. Oh,
1: okay. And it doesn't do uh, Death of Captain Marvel?
0: It does. It has a Death oh, of nuts. Captain Marvel okay. as well. So all now, of how-
1: – the- how do they format that? Because I'm assuming this omnibus is sort of comic book size, but uh, it always drives me a little nuts in terms of how they manage to fit. Like, because the Marvel graphic novel was actually magazine sized and so slightly different dimensions than your regular comics. So right. do you feel like you're losing a little bit of that by having them sort of shrink that that the pages so to speak
0: i'm not sure how big the graphic novel was but the omnibus it was magazine is, sized yeah okay the gra- the the so omnibus a- are bigger than comic size or even like a complete collection it's, oh are they okay. yeah it's it's already a bigger style in itself ah. so i i think it's pretty close okay maybe it's not i don't know if it's the same but it's yeah, it's yeah. relatively good to yeah. have in that format, and they map it out well so that everything is read as per how it happened timeline wise. Mm-hmm. But uh, what a great what a great run he had with that cosmic stuff, and where he later on takes it to. Like kudos to to Starlin's vision. I just had a, a last episode we did for people who might be listening to both of them. I don't know if there are, but uh, we just did an episode of the top our top five cosmic stories, Marvel stories, and we we spoke a lot about that warlock stuff
1: was, oh okay good. i haven't Did ever read Infinity make Watch. it onto your list by any chance
0: which one annihilation
1: annihilation yeah,
0: yeah. it was one of my picks yeah Phenomenal. annihilation made it for not yeah and we we weren't sure like do you put annihilation annihilation conquest all the way to the realm of kings <laughs> like what what do you leave out of that time with that. No, stuff.
1: absolutely, because yeah. it almost is sort of one enormous storyline, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and, and it's the same thing with uh, Starlin doing Captain Marvel to Warlock, how he bridged them together and made all of these characters like intertwined forever in, in mm-hmm. Marvel Universe. But uh, yeah, Through the really... villain
1: of Thanos was was uh, kind of the cool thing about that. I think you know, even though Captain Marvel got canceled, uh, he managed to sort of create the new character and continue that story.
0: Yeah, it's one of those examples I think where the quality of something will stand the test of time, as opposed mm-hmm. to just the the moment or the the what's the word the novelty. Of something being, because sometimes things can become remembered because of its novelty for the time. Yeah. And then there's things that you know what this is actually way better than people kind of gave it credit for, and they've built the whole movie universe out of it. Like that's
1: oh, how absolutely. good it was. Oh, absolutely! Surprisingly, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, now I'm gonna ask you this because uh, it just came up in conversation: uh, Danish's timeless characters uh, 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 poster. Uh, kickstarter i I mentioned that it sort of has the characters appearing in chronological order and uh, danish and i on his live stream uh we were discussing the portion of the graphic that had uh Thanos right next to Darkseid, because they appeared kind of at the same time, Thanos after Darkseid. Uh, And of of course, you know, there's a school, there's a school of fandom out there. And I'm actually kind of not in that school of Thanos that kind of just, you know, uh, uh, dismisses him. As a dark side ripoff, and of course, uh, it it becomes a little more uh, uh, funny because, in a lot of ways, because of the popularity of the Marvel movies uh, versus, uh, let's say, the the Snyder Cut yeah. of Justice League, uh, Thanos is actually now uh, the more well known iconic villain, despite the fact that you know, in terms of the 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 archetype and sort of the the one that, that most comics fans yeah. don't thought of. Uh, Darkseid, because he hasn't translated uh, significantly to, to media like like Thanos has, uh, has kind of taken a back seat. What are your thoughts in terms of, uh, let's say, uh, Thanos' uh, or Darkseid's influence on the creation of Thanos, because again, two big purple dudes who uh, you know want to find something to conquer the galaxy, <laughs> right? And in one case with Dark Side, it's the anti-life equation, and, the, and in terms of Thanos, it's the Infinity Gems.
0: There's so, sort of a
1: cosmic MacGuffin going on there.
0: Yeah. Um, so you're of the school that it's there their own thing or that you, yeah, you don't... I
1: mean even if there was a little bit of inspiration Starlin has really turned it into its own thing right it's it's kind of like at a certain point you can differentiate uh, man thing from swamp thing and even the heap which influenced both of them right even though uh, man thing and swamp thing the creator the writers who created those characters were roommates at the time and they debuted like months apart from each other right yeah but i actually do think there's something to be said like you can take the idea but the if the execution is uh, uh, unique enough and different enough. And, yeah. and of course, Alan Moore did wonders with Swamp Thing to take him even further. But even at their inception, I think there were enough similarities and enough differences to give both characters their own unique feel and theme so there are different yeah. reading experiences.
0: Um, I got It's funny you bring this up because I, I, I'll, I was thinking about this exact thing, but I also have a story as a tangent related to it. So I like okay. I don't know if you'd be interested in hearing yeah, about it. but wander,
1: it, let's go down there. This is what this is for. That's Basically right. These are the type of conversations you and I have over yeah. drinks for dinner. We're right. simply uh, podcasting them. So I'm, I'm down. I'm game. I'm saying yes and. <laughs>
0: okay. So um, it's funny you brought it up because in the bonus features of the book, the uh, the omnibus that I read, it Ooh. has a first concept – Of Thanos, which was him actually making a Dark Side slash slash Metron amalgamation. Oh. And uh, I think it was Roy Thomas, who was editor at the time, who said, take him out of the Metron chair and make him more like Dark Side. Really? Yeah, it's actually, wow. it, it said, I, I could be misquoting. So if I, you know, don't take what I'm saying as gospel, anybody, but there is, it does explain there, like Roy Thomas said, you know, don't make a Metron, make a more dark side. Mm-hmm. But to your point, which I completely agree with, I, I do think they are exact analogs of each other mm-hmm. with the Anna life equation and trying to, um, you know, appeal to death. And they're yeah. both going for the same thing interstellar, uh, you know, domination and atrophy or entropy. is that be the right word? But then um, there's even a point in the the final, I don't know if it's in the final threat or in the warlock issues where Thanos is fighting. I don't know if it's the Magus or he's fighting everybody. That's why it's Mm -hmm. it's blurry right now. But he actually says, I am Thanos. I am death. I am dark side.
1: Oh really? It actually uh, he actually s- wink. yeah. it's, a, so it's Starlin a really cl- is kind of acknowledging his influence, but at the same time, well, this is the thing. Starlin's a fan, right? Yes. Star came from the fan community, you know, and he's a generation, uh, uh you know, Kirby's of a a a generation that would have influenced Starlin, right? So yes,
0: and I uh, think Starlin the fact that he's honoring him.
1: him rather than ripping him off is is what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. I, I think that that's the case too. But to your point, I think the difference is is that Jim Starlin really cared about what he was trying to say with the character so much more that the mm-hmm. people that played off of Thanos are as important to the like just like any character right that you don't batman isn't as good without joker or his villain spider-man isn't as good without the goblin and dr ock and and his family like it's the people around his with with a character like thanos his worst enemies are also his best allies
1: yeah And the fact that he eclipsed his his quote unquote arch enemies Captain Marvel and Warlock and became a villain for the entire MCU, right? That that's really really significant.
0: Yeah, and a character who may have been you know there there was a maybe a time before the MCU where people could debate like Apocalypse, Thanos, Magneto, like the Beyonder Mm -hmm. who who takes the cake? And I think now just the way that it's been you when you reread it when it's recollected when it's all put back into the you know forefront of the cultural zeitgeist that we're at now with the mcu thanos is pretty awesome now we don't know what it could be like with kang because when you're in the uh in the loki television show on disney there's like a bunch of infinity gems and they say yeah we got a bunch of these it's just a paperweight right (laughs) so yeah who knows what where they go from it but yeah his vision of uh of that character and the story that he told over 40 years 45 years with like he just finished up a a whole run on thanos that i think people kind of dismissed because they were graphic novels not in continuity but it was him and alan davis him and ron Lim, and he's continuing the thanos mythology in his in his fashion it's really good stuff I talk about it all the time but
1: yeah well it's terrific that they are allowing now that he's become an older creator and especially since they're mining so much of his uh, uh, creations right to, yeah, it's the least to they make can do. essentially billions and billions of dollars the least they can do is let him tell his stories unhindered
0: right right so in line with Starlin biting or paying homage to uh, Jack Kirby what recently happened to myself and my, my uh, partner in Rhyme, as we say, my rapping partner, <laughs> we were, were releasing another piece of music that we had pretty much wrapped up in about 2020. It was supposed mm-hmm. to come out, but out everything that happened, of course, everything's been delayed, and Shane's been yeah. working on the artwork, and we had this f- picture that was on uh, Facebook that was often used in memes and chat groups to like spark conversations. It was like a kids at a at a museum looking at an, a record player as an artifact, okay. and not knowing what to do with it. Right. So yeah, my yeah. my friend, who always gets the ideas going, he needs like a, a piece of artwork to serve as his muse for what he'll write about, for what the the beat selection and the the atmosphere of it all is going to sound like. But he takes something and he builds from that, and then he wanted to. Um, ask Shane, because he did our first one where he, mm-hmm. he made us like Charlie Brown characters, like an homage to Charles Schultz. He said, can you take those two characters and put us in the museum and it's got to be like ephemeral. Like, we don't know what we're looking at. It could be anything. Because yeah, the, the yeah. title of the album would be In Pursuit of... dot, dot, dot. Ah. Right? So it's all this artsy-fartsy kind of like ah, you know, look at the artwork, goes with the music, blah, blah, blah. But then Shane to his credit and due diligence looked up the the picture where where it came from so he can give credit to it it turns out to be a a rap album from a duo of the rapper being black guy the producer being a white guy oh Uh, wow and it's was released in 2017 and then the intro of it is eerily similar to what we did as well, without knowing anything about each other or that this even existed. And I was just like, (laughs) this- Alan
1: Moore's concept of idea space. Ideas exist in a space and you all sort of tap into it simultaneously.
0: Yeah, it was so trippy because, and and what was funny, Sam, is that the type of music he makes is much to our style of me and my friend of when we grew up, we're in the same age, Bracket as this artist, yeah, yeah. and uh, he has a song on that album called Marvelous where he just uses all <laughs> the names of the Marvel universe to write a song.
1: That's amazing.
0: It was like, this is the, it, to your point, the idea space, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and when it comes to people and how you share something that you had, and, and I said, I had to message the person and tell him, I go, listen. I have to. We have to pay respects to you for the inspiration, but also there would be no way to defend, to defend it, saying that we didn't copy you, even though we mm-hmm. didn't. There's, it's just too similar. So we have to do something about this. Yeah. So it's funny but that
1: it's Zeitgeist day, eh? like it's it's always that that way, like.
0: Yeah so yeah that,
1: that's kind of funny if, if you do I'll, I'll send you uh, Danish's poster and you can see how that sort of plays out in his uh, character uh, thing it, it plays out quite often actually where you once you lay it out that way you see sort of that those similarities
0: yeah I guess too because you know like if, if everything we're watching right now is you know Ozarks and Mandalorian and you know whatever may be new in the theater you'll everyone's kind of experiencing some of these things at the same time and then the idea like the the ingredients of what can spark ideas we will be more likely similar than not right because that's what's we're being fed absolutely yeah
1: no no with the uh uh ozark you know in terms of uh breaking bad came out and it was absolutely groundbreaking but then now you have all these shows that you would describe. As you know, Breaking Bad with money laundering, right? That, that kind of thing, right? And, yeah. But again, it, it's a completely different show. It's a completely different feel. Uh, we we can have Have you watched the latest uh, round of Ozark yet? I've
0: I'm up to season. I'm starting season three. I'm behind right. on can, it, but yeah. When,
1: when you're done with it, we can we can talk about this this new season. But okay. uh, my my essential point being, uh, I actually kind of like. Uh, Ozark better than Breaking Bad in a lot of ways. Uh, not so much that it's as colorful as Breaking Bad, but I kind of like there's a there's a slightly more realistic approach to Ozark and the fact that the main character, uh, oh, what's his name again, played by Jason Bateman. Yeah. Uh, um, I often find with Breaking Bad, just because you're so passionate for the show, whenever you know the main character, let's say Walt, uh, does something. Dumb, you know, because of his ego. That's his fault, right? He's he's got that character flaw, of of his ego. You just sort of yell at the television.
0: Yeah, I yeah. Don't know
1: about you, I, I do that when when you see a character kind of doing. Whereas whereas the. I think they really address that in, in this Jason Bateman character on Ozark in that he never does anything stupid. It's everyone around yeah. him sort of reacting and bumping into each other in the wrong ways. And he's constantly trying to dig himself out of a, a hole as people are around him are like digging the hole deeper. Marty in, bird. He,
0: that's his name. Yeah,
1: Marty bird. That's, that's right. And, and again, I, I think, uh, uh, ozark for that reason is masterful in, in a lot of ways in a story sense not necessarily in a in a enjoyable character uh comedic sense uh, entertaining entertainment sense is break, breaking bad but i actually think in a story sense i like ozark a lot better it's than, strong uh, break-
0: the performances it's so you you um what's her name laura linney
1: Oh, she's fantastic. The tur- and then the uh, little the 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 younger uh, Ruthie. woman, yeah. Ruthie is wow. She is a powerhouse, especially as things sort of hinge around her. Uh, uh, again, watch it. We'll we'll talk about it because I got a lot to say about uh, this latest mm-hmm. round of Ozark, and I think okay. it's masterful.
0: Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, I need I need to watch that in breaks because when I, I do like five episodes straight on a weekend, and I'm out of breath. And oh, I'm, it's, and I'm, it's heavy. Yeah, yeah and I'm, I'm like, oh, I can't take this. Like, I feel tense. I need something light. Can we put on a stand-up comedy so I can just get the giggles out? Because I'm so yeah, – yeah. and, and the the Ozarks itself as a setting, it's not it, – it it never gets sunny there. Oh, absolutely.
1: It's it's weird that cold, like someone was uh, commenting, like, uh, uh, I think it was, it might have been Shane, even last night we were chatting about it. He's saying, why is everything so blue in there? And yeah, it's an absolute choice with, uh, you know, digital technology, you have absolute control over, you know, color, sat color saturation and color temperature and things like that. And I think uh, you're seeing filmmakers really, really take that on. I mean, uh, I won't spoil the Batman, but there's definitely a look that they're going for in the Batman. Or uh, here's my pick as my favorite uh, film of the year, Nightmare Alley. Which I will gladly go back and see when they release that in black and white, because as a as a noir thriller, it is it is wonderful and, cool. and Nightmare
0: yeah. Alley. Okay,
1: Nightmare Alley. It's Guillermo del Toro's latest, and it's him sort of tossing away his usual tricks. It's there's there's not a lot of obvious CG, you know, in terms of what you would use CG for monsters and stuff like that. Uh, there's no supernatural elements, even though it's sort of is in that realm yet? Is one of the scariest films I've seen lately. It is, it is truly frightening, and even when you see the turn coming, it's got so much impact. You know, the tw- the twists and turns have so much impact. You're you're so invested in these characters. Kate Blanchett is phenomenal as the femme fatale character. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is it. Well, Bradley Cooper is hit and miss for me, but he's he's fantastic in in this one. Um, Tony Collette uh willem defoe and uh even hellboy ron Perlman, hellboy himself uh has a role in this so i highly recommend it without giving away it's a remake of a 1940s uh noir film and this is guillermo de toro really showing off as uh, what he can do as a filmmaker uh without his usual bag of tricks
0: do you when you say all those names are you like me when you hear who's in a movie and you refer to them in their superhero alias? <laughs> so I just hear Rocket Raccoon, Hellboy. Yeah, know.
1: Sometimes I do. So Green it Goblin. Is, uh, <laughs> it is Green Goblin, um, uh, Rocket Raccoon, uh, Hella.
0: Hella. That's what I mean. Like they're they, to me, they're just now they're they, they feel like characters off the page.
1: <laughs> no, for sure. And sometimes when I can't recall, you know, you're you're grasping at the the. Uh, uh, actor's name often in a conversation like this. I'll just you know, uh, Rocket, Raccoon, uh, <laughs> Rocket Raccoon, or who who Hella Hella, you know that, that guy.
0: Yeah, Dave Batista. No Drax, you know Drax, the green guy <laughs> from from our, Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Have you
1: seen now, now? What have you been watching? Have you been watching like Peacemaker? Have you been watching uh, Boba Fett? Have I watched,
0: watched- Bo- I watched Boba Fett. I'm watching Marvelous Miss Maisel with my wife. Every, I, I watch
1: great things. Have you seen that show at all? I've only seen the uh, first two episodes, and I liked what I saw. But again, I, I kind of knew I it was an investment because because it is uh, a few seasons now, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's the one. It's one of the reasons why I would I keep Amazon because I <laughs> really like that show and the the performances in the first, especially the first two seasons are great. But it takes place in the late fifties just before the 60s come through. And uh, the story of... Uh, it. May I don't think it's based off of... It's not based off of anybody, but they do use real comedians of the time, like Lenny Bruce as a character in the show. So if you like stand-up comedy and the culture of stand-up and, and uh, New York in the Madman era, and Absolutely. it's a lot of Jewish humor... Cause it's a you know two Jewish families and it's it's really good, really really yeah. good show.
1: No, yeah. it is it is on my list to to keep going. I really like those first two episodes I I saw and it is up my alley. But again, you know when it when something takes a little bit more uh, attention and focus. Yeah. The you you do want to make sure you give it the, the, the attention it deserves as opposed to you know uh, when you're hanging out at home and puttering around, right?
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. Easily um, distracted. What did you think of Boba Fett? Did you like it?
1: Um, you know what? It's it's weird. It, it I I really wanted to like it. There was great things about it, but at the end of the day, uh, spoiler. We're entering spoiler. We're entering spoiler territory.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Okay. Uh, by the time Episode Five rolled around and it became kind of Mandalorian season two point five, I'm kind of like, oh, that's what I was missing. I was kind of missing the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian is the version of Boba Fett I wanted to see as a kid, right? you know? And again, I know they're trying to differentiate it. They brought back the actor who's older now and they're trying to evolve the character. But uh, yeah, my, my, again, it, it's fun to watch. It's a good time. I'm, I'm glad I, I watched it. On the, on, the, on the flip side, I, I get what they're doing. They're doing The Godfather. But they spent most of that series showing us things in flashback that we already knew. There was no surprises. Like with The Mandalorian, you just, there's a lot of surprises in The Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Whereas we already knew that he had gotten out of the Starlight pit. We already knew he had hung out with sand people. We had already known he hooked up with uh, Ming-Na's characters so so just to sort of see all that uh when we've been told and then yeah the slope the 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 build of the the modern day was a little slow so i'm hoping as building blocks of the mandalorian sort of universe in terms of them saying that uh, this is going to start getting game of Thrones. Uh, this is just uh, hoping. This is a, a puzzle piece, and things will really ramp up. That include like you know Boba Fett and his gang, and uh, uh, oh god, uh, Starbuck. <laughs> here, here, I'm doing it again. Uh, the the woman who plays Starbuck as 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 a, as a as she she was in the Mandalorian as the heir of the Mandalorian uh, Empire.
0: Oh. It's... Oh, yes, 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 she's yes, yes, She's yes. from the Clone War cartoon. Yes, yes, and, yes, yes. And, I know you're uh, too, yeah.
1: Katie Sackhoff plays her, and and for yeah. the life of me, I can't uh, recall her name right now, but with all these factions of yes. uh, uh, Mandalorians sort of uh, showing up, including uh, the Mandalorian's sort of zealot-like faction, uh, yeah. seeing, seeing how these uh, will all fit together in a larger storyline. So I, I appreciate the the building blocks. I like the fact that the final episode was a lot of fun.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know what? I everything your whole breakdown of it, it's really summing it up exactly how I feel. I enjoyed it. I didn't understand which part I'm supposed to be invested in, because mm-hmm. I, I like you said we, I was happy to see him escape the Sarlacc pit. Yeah. And let's go back to him being, you know, the boss now, of this, you know, uh, taking over for uh, Jabba the Hutt, right? Let's tell that story and give him whether it's a crime story, whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, they really wanted to be uh, the Godfather too, but again, I don't think they managed to sort of. uh, Yeah. you know, I see their aspiration, uh, and I see them sort of evolving the character. But uh, again, Robert Rodriguez knows how to direct an action sequence. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and the fifth episode, like you said, was everybody loved it, but it had not, it didn't have anything to do with Boba Fett. And yeah, my
1: favorite episode of Boba Fett didn't have Boba Fett in it. Right. right?
0: It just made me want to watch *The Mandalorian*, and I think you hit the nail on the head. *The Mandalorian* is what we wanted Boba Fett to be.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So Although, now, uh, so now I'm we, a sucker for Baby Yoda as well. So the, yeah. again, we're in spoiler territory now. Uh, the reunion, I'm like, you know. You know, I'm getting all choked up and, and logically I'm like, That's a puppet and a stuntman being reunited. You know, <laughs> that's not really baby but you know, baby Yoda being reunited with uh it's storytelling uh, though.
0: It's it's the storytelling beautiful. of it. Yeah. It was beautiful. It, it was. It was really good. And I'm really interested the only my only hang up with that part of the story was so much of Mandalorian season two well the whole season. Is spent yeah. with him trying to get in touch with the Jedi to to yes, give them yes. Gorgu. And that was such a an amazing moment when you finally when they do split up, you're so at peace with the fact that it's with Luke, right? Yeah, yeah. For and sure. then and then seeing him train with Luke. I would have been happy if there was like a visit between the two that they were friends with each other, but I was also uh, happy they reunited, but now I'm thinking to myself, what was all of, the way they use Luke the in the Star Wars universe lately? It's like, what's he good for?
1: Yeah, what was the point of that? Was like I would have understood if they had let Yoda uh, Grogu, uh, I keep calling him Baby Yoda, yeah. uh, Grogu had trained with Luke for a little while longer, yeah. so that they would feel but it feels like you blinked and then they sort of turned it around a little too quickly y- you know yeah. I, I feel like more time should have passed by uh, to allow for this but i did appreciate that uh, are you familiar with lone wolf and cub
0: i know that i know the anim, the sorry the, the manga i've never read it though
1: Yeah, the manga and the uh, TV show and slash movie series, uh, there was a beautiful homage to that. Just to let you know, uh, I'm not spoiling anything, but uh, the way Lone Wolf and Cub starts is the Shogun executioner is betrayed and essentially disgraced and framed. And he has a choice. He, you know, uh, because he's been sort of, he's lost face, he has to, uh, commit seppuk, seppuku when when you know you you uh, drive the sword into your belly.
0: Okay, yeah, I didn't know it, that's what it, it was called to
1: atone. Uh, but so, well, this is how it starts, right? But uh, his family has been assassinated, and all that's left is this uh, shogun, this former disgraced shogun executioner, and his baby boy. And to make a decision, like he's got a decision to make and he decides to let the baby boy, his baby boy decide. So he puts a ball and a sword in front of the baby boy and says to him, "Okay, uh, you decide, even though the baby can't understand, right? You decide if we choose, if you choose the ball, you know, you're choosing uh, a a normal life that we can't lead. So I'm going to, you know, commit seppuku and, and we'll both die. If you choose the sword, I'll become a masterless Ronin with you by my side. You know, strapped to my back, essentially, uh, where we we travel the path of vengeance uh, together, the road to hell, so to speak. So I I really saw again, Star Wars is known for for, uh, homaging, shall we say, uh, rather than ripping off. Uh, th- there's a theme to right? uh, that. The homaging uh, a samurai. Uh, culture and stories, particularly the work of uh, uh, Akira Kurosawa, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a, a good um pull from from that. I never I never thought of the samurai sort of analogy to it, but I hope they oh, they make
1: you. Come.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I I I'm happy that the next season of Mandalorian they'll be together but i do hope that they make better use of of luke otherwise it cheapens what was really the investment it doesn't change that no, the story absolutely. was good but it, the investment of it and when you're when what you've been invested in is like thrown out the window so quickly kind of like what happened yeah. with the the episode what is it 7 to 8 yes, when you yes. when you finally find luke and you mm-hmm. pass him his saber you're waiting for that next movie to be made to see what that moment will be, and then it's tossed aside. And
1: yeah, no, they play like, it for almost cheap laughs where he just sort of tosses it over his shoulder and ignores. It. And again, it, it's playing against type, it's playing against expectations, but it's not playing to the character of Luke. Luke, the Luke we know, would never ever do that. Right. You know, he'd never be that. You know, even even if the worst thing that happened to him, I honestly don't feel like uh, this is a character that would just go and mope. Right.
0: So I I feel the trust. I trust the the people behind this enough to. You know, they'll get this right. That's how. Yeah. I well, feel. I'm
1: hoping that in terms of all the building blocks that Luke is, and again, I I believe they're sort of creating a, a Mandalorian. Uh, uh, Game of Thrones, so to speak, uh, a civil war of some sort. But on the flip side, there's the rise of Thrawn uh, through these coming series, including Ahsoka getting her own series. So I'm hoping he plays into it because in terms of the Timothy Zahn novel series, uh, Luke was such an integral part of that Timothy Zahn original Thrawn trilogy that to sort of uh, cut him out in this rebooted version wouldn't wouldn't sit well with me.
0: Yeah, that that is a good that is a good point. I just speaking of um Star Wars and the uh, you know, multimedia aspect of it. I just and speaking of Scott Hepburn, I just read the um Knights of the Old Republic omnibus from Joshua uh, John Jackson Miller.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The yeah, and, and Scott Hepburn has a storyline in there where he did a couple oh, of issues. Oh. So it was a nice, pleasant surprise to see. I don't know; it, it must be early because this was published in two thousand and six. So this must be early in his career for some dark core stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, those were always kind of a, a fun read because uh, rather than beholden like to yeah. to the lore, whenever they sort of jump back to the old Republic, uh, creators like John Ostrander and Timothy Truman and Jan, Jan Dursma and all all those others, you felt like they had a little more freedom and weren't quite boxed in by by dancing between the continuity of the original trilogy like so many creators had to do i i you know they you get to create original characters and and follow them through
0: yeah you're right you're you're absolutely right and and there's so many aspects of the star wars universe what that you get to learn about and see that regardless of whether it's part of canon anymore like who cares
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. If there's still good stories, right? Like, you know, part of me, you know, because I had invested a lot of time reading Star Wars novels and Star Wars uh, comics only to have them relegated to legends. You know, part of you is like, Oh, I wasted my life. But no, you st- if you still enjoy these, they're still on my bookshelf. They're still on my trophy case of books, so That's to speak, right. that I've conquered. Yeah. Uh, and I've even, you know, as a collector, like we talked about the, the books, you know, some of these I read in ratty paperback form. But over the years, because I love these, uh, Tim- specifically the Timothy Zahn uh, uh, novels so much, and to me they form a pocket uh, uh, continuity. Yeah, within Star Wars, so that's, I've that's always sort put of upgraded. Yeah, so I've gotten the hard covers of these. I've gotten them signed by Zahn. and yeah, they're they're a nice little display of of nice uh, hard covers on my on my shelf that I'll continue to keep and enjoy.
0: Yeah, and to, like, I have recommended it before on another episode, but it is a great story because what you what you actually are having is a, a Mandalorian war. And you realize the tension that exists be- historically between them and the Jedi. Oh and yeah, for sure. It's a lot and of and a the lot Dark of fun.
1: Saber and, yeah,
0: yeah. It's really cool. You know, really, and, that, and I mean, it's unfortunate that you know, like you said, it feels like oh, I wasted my time, but you didn't because these stories exist.
1: Oh, and, absolutely.
0: And honestly, like you said, some of the stuff that is no longer canon is better than the things that they gave you as canon so you can choose what you want it doesn't matter absolutely yeah
1: and who knows the multiverse is such a fun thing did you ever think that we would see tobin maguire andrew garfield and uh tom holland all on screen together with their respective villains Yeah. right how mind-blowing is that so the fact that they did manage to bring back uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, I'm actually kind of uh, uh, confident that uh, Mara Jade uh, will eventually come back as well. So
0: yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Speaking of Spider-Man, I was really interested to hearing your uh, review on the No Way Home. I I felt that if that was the last Marvel movie they made, I would be more than satisfied because it just hit yes. all the right notes. And and seeing Spider-Man swing out of his apartment as you know a guy starting over it, it, it in a way it's it br- used one more day better than what one more day did.
1: Oh, absolutely, for sure, for sure. No, I, I agree with you, hundred percent. I don't know it's, how uh, they
0: pulled it off. It was wonderful for me. I loved and totally
1: it. Only so much could have gone wrong, right? Like, yeah. Note for note, I I I've rewatched it a few times now just because I've loved it, enjoyed it so much and you just want to catch all the nuances. It it's really tough to to find much in the way of flaws in this movie. It was really well thought out. I haven't seen it
0: since I saw it in the theater, and I can't wait to watch it again. And all of the like, I didn't. I, I knew that there was the rumors of them showing up and. You, you kind of – they te- kind of telegraphed it, but I didn't – when it happened, it still meant so much. Yeah. And when you see them, all three of them on screen, and I'm like, they pulled this <laughs> off. And they made each other's movies better, even though there was always something lacking in the Star – sorry, in the Spider-Man movie universe. It never – it felt like they never got it right. But with this one, they made them all right
1: spider-man doesn't kill yeah ever yeah that i think is the real awesome point that they sort of drove home and yeah uh, uh, addressed in a in a direct and fantastic way like even uh you know like i said i garfield actually might be uh one of my favorite movie spider-man's because he to me he looks like that his his body type that sort of lean uh looking skinny spider-man uh to me that that physically is and and I really loved the parts of his movie that dealt with Peter and his relationship with Gwen. I think that's the strength of Mark Webb it was the 500 days of summer, you know, romantic uh uh chemistry but yeah, unfortunately he didn't have great villains.
0: Yeah. Uh, but then the the ones that they bring back here like they managed to tell you the sinister 6.
1: Yeah, and they they give them better arcs like there's this this movie is packed so full of characters but they all have little bits of business yeah they need to attend to and little story arcs and the fact that they do manage to fulfill uh, the story arcs of not only 3 Peters but you know five villains from previous movies that n- didn't necessarily have as satisfying a an, an arc or ending in terms of what uh spider-man stands for
0: yeah it was it so was well spider-man done.
1: answer to everything that all the villains die you know it it was a trope it was a real trope that that you know doesn't really work for true spider-man fans right
0: yeah no it um it hit all the right notes man and i my, like my favorite scene was them on the school the, the school roof oh to yeah other. yeah and all sharing their their grief and their tragedy, their pain, and you realize that with the like Peter always has to rescue Peter.
1: No, absolutely, absolutely, yes. And did you see again I I did not see that it's great that you know I like being surprised and I did not see the Aunt May stuff coming. Spoilers. Uh to be honest, I had gone into the movie predicting that you know because because tom holland needs an uncle ben moment yeah uh so going into the movie i was telling everyone and anyone who would listen that i thought uh happy hogan was slated to be the (coughs) uncle ben in this movie and good for them for for choosing aunt may it makes perfect sense and to me i guess my block was the fact that she's aunt may you know she she Lives, you know, in the comics that she always lives. So the fact that they went that way in the in place of Uncle Ben, phenomenal, and, phenomenal, and, and emotional arc.
0: What I like, yeah, you're right. And what is what I liked about the I mean, courage, but the courage of that choice, because I mean, these are these these stories will now stay with us forever, right? They do affect no, yeah. us, but the problem with the Spider Man story that we referred to before with one more day was that everything has always has been to save Aunt May but with this one he had his one more day and had to let her go which is you know I appreciated the fact that they were brave enough to let him say goodbye to her in order to do what needed to be done and to, to figure out who he was now I don't know where they go from here with him having no Aunt May anymore because we've never seen that before with any Spider-Man, even in the comics, every time they take her away, they no, no, it wasn't like De DeMatteis' death of Aunt May was perfect, and then they reversed it, right? So I was I was happy to see that they they pulled this off, they made it count, and he's at peace with himself, and and he's with what he's known and what he experienced, he can go on, and you get more of a complete person. Um, yeah, so we. For those listening, we had a little bit of a cutout, so Sam missed a little bit of what I was going to say, but what we were talking about was the fact that they were brave enough to do the, the Aunt May um, letting her go so that Peter can grow. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it was. It, I appreciated that they did that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. and and the fact that uh, she really reinforced the central message of the movie and what the heart and spirit of Spider Man was. Spider Man helps people no matter what. Spider Man never just lets someone die.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's speaking of that in a character, uh, something that I think is important for characters to keep true when they adapt them, uh, as far as char- characters letting people die. You said that you had seen Batman. I don't mean to jump away from Spider-Man. You can keep talking about it, but but you know, Batman number I don't know 12 at this point. (laughs) I'm I I was Batman fatigued out. I I was not excited for this movie at all, even though it looked really great, and I love
1: Batman fatigued out as well.
0: Yeah, and and I'm Batman fatigued out from the comics too, and a lot of the, the the. the way that they adapted certain DC things, always with the Batman lens on top of it, it was just like, come on, this isn't, not everything needs to have him as the centerpiece all the time. I love him, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what did, you know, without spoiling it, cause I haven't seen it yet. What did you think <laughs> of the movie?
1: Uh, this is a tough one because, again, uh, all this time I've been kind of very indifferent to the hype. You know, I'm much more excited, for example, uh, when the trailer for for Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, show just because I want to see something different. You know what I mean? And I've experienced a lot of Batman stories, and I I appreciate the fact that this one is well crafted, and I really really uh, appreciate um, filmmaker uh, what what. What's the gentleman's name? Matt is it Matt Beeve, mm-hmm. who does the Planet of the Apes movies? Like, I was, I am kind of looking forward, but I, I feel like I needed to sort of temper my expectations. Uh, with that said, it's a really good, you know, gritty, noir crime thriller uh, for me. Uh, it, it's really well executed. Uh, the, the characters and acting is well done. Uh, but yeah, sort of because it trades in that veneer of realism it, it is actually for me kind of rendered slightly ludicrous when uh, you've got the guy in the bat suit wandering around the crime scenes you, you know what i mean um so so the, the strength of the movie is also kind of its greatest weakness for me. And I, I won't, again, you know, it, it's a lot of fun for, for Batman fans, but on the flip side, you do kind of want something. I, I almost feel like, uh, uh, you know, great approach, you know, if, if you're going to do it this way. But uh, to me, you almost kind of do need that operatic Uh, approach to Batman in terms of uh, there's no doubt that this might be you know sort of the best performed in terms of uh, uh, Catwoman, Batman, um, uh, Commissioner Gordon in terms of the best actors in the roles that are are relatively understated you know I mean I mean in most Batman movies you do require a bit of scenery chewing uh, but uh, on the flip side it's tough to, to compare to, let's say, Burton's Batman or uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman that does sort of swing for the fences as opposed to sort of uh, uh, tapping things down so you're creating a certain uh, noir, noir moodiness to it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear what you mean. And, and I think that's, I mean, Batman. the Batman movies have been really good, but I also feel that they've been quickly limited. With where you could go with them in the in the cinematic version of of the character, because like with the Tim Burton, it quickly became Tim Burton movies. The first one felt like a take on Batman, other than the whole um, letting people die. That was always a problem I had with with that version of Batman. But by the time you get to Batman Returns, it's very much more Tim Burton expressing himself through yes. Batman. And then, it's
1: a Burton movie for sure
0: for sure right and then with the Nolan movies the first the Batman begins I feel is really paying a sweet homage to things like year one certain things like uh, Long Halloween a little bit but yeah, then, yeah. but then giving you Raj al Ghoul or Rachel Ghul, however you like to say it and and the mm-hmm. twist that's in it like it's it's just right for Batman but then you you, you make it so realistic in certain respects that you didn't want any of the DC universe to cross paths with you, which I just feel like you're limiting now what you where you could go with this character, right? Yeah,
1: and again, I can see this being sort of the spiritual uh, 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 Batman to the recent Joker movie. Okay. In terms of trying to ground it uh, a little bit. But yeah it it honestly when the more I start like i I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong, it's a little long, uh, but I think they the veneer, the mood they've created, uh the actors they've got the the way they filmed it, all fantastic, but story wise, I almost you know the the more I started thinking about it, the more I almost thought uh. This has a lot more in common with Batman sixty six. I'll, I'll be honest, you know, as as and and I'll explain it to you once you see it. Let's, yeah, you're seeing it tomorrow. Let's make a point of when we when we reconvene in in uh, a few weeks or whatever, whenever you want. By the way, whenever you want to chit chat about it, uh, oh yeah. I I have things to say about it. Yeah, uh, but really, am very interested in hearing what you have to say about it once, once you see it. But again, I'm just like you. I I had, I was experienced Batman fatigue. And again, it's kind of funny. You do see the influences. There's definitely uh, the long Halloween in here. There's definitely um, uh, uh, Batman earth one, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's version of Batman earth one, which again, okay. they brought in some interesting elements, but again, they didn't sort of, they took those elements, if they had, they pushed those elements a a little more, I think it would have worked better. There's been positive comparisons to movies like seven, like thriller movies like seven. And again, I can see the influence, but I don't think it works a hundred percent. Yeah. If that's what they're going for again, because, because just imagine, yeah, just essentially imagine you've got Brad Pitt, and uh, 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 what's Morgan Freeman right. wandering around crime scenes? But one of them is wearing a Batman costume. You know what I mean?
0: Okay, <laughs> I understand. I get you. I mean, DC, DC, or Warner Brothers has have taken a different approach from the joined universe to making art like art letting artists now i guess you could say tell yeah. their story with these characters let's make films with the with the joker as a lead and and it mm-hmm. you know we refer to everything that we know about batman but you never have to see him or yeah. you know with the the suicide squad which was a much better film than the first attempt and Viola Davis is the through line between the two i i always enjoy her performances oh, and things oh yeah yeah
1: She's and even perfect. her presence in Peacemaker. Uh, I know I'm wandering off on a tangent. No, when you ahead. get to, when you get to see Peacemaker, you'll see even though she doesn't, isn't in it a lot, her presence is felt. Like Viola Davis is such a powerhouse that her presence is felt in in that movie. How did you like Peacemaker? I loved it. I I thought it was an absolute delight. And again, uh, you've seen The Suicide Squad, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and again, to, to sort of uh, give give uh, context, to me, uh, The Suicide Squad might actually be my favorite DCEU film. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think that comes from the fact that, you know, I want to see something new. I want to see something novel. I want to be surprised. Right. And right. Uh, yeah, you can, you can do a lot more with those, you know, C and D list characters that you can't do. So I... Like I said, uh, there is a real limitation of, of what you can do with Batman because of the expectations right. uh, that are that people have for Batman. Yeah, you and, know? and I could have seen where this movie could have really worked, um, but I don't think uh, uh, you can put a Batman movie out. And not have it have certain elements that render this approach, as I said, uh, kind of ludicrous.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm, int- I'm. I've never had less anticipation for a Batman movie, but I'm hoping that it uh, lives up to the hype that it's receiving. But I'm again a character who is one of the main reasons I love this medium and this genre. I love Batman but it got mm-hmm. to a point where it was like, can we get something else?
1: No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we get the Suicide Squad? Can we get Peacemaker? You know, even uh, Aquaman for me, I, I kind of was, again, because of the way the DCEU had been playing out, you know, I wasn't expecting to like Aquaman as much as I did, and it, it was fantastic. So, again, I'm, I'm approaching each of these with uh, with... You know, caution. So I, I'm like you. I was indifferent up until like a day or two ago, when the reviews kept coming in, and they were all universally favorable. And uh, yeah, like like I said, there's elements that are fantastic about this film, but I'm still gonna, in terms of my own personal enjoyment, I'm get, still gonna put uh, Nolan's The Dark Knight and Burton's The Dark Knight Returns uh, a little. You know, high, high, high as high benchmarks for me personally.
0: Yeah, they 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 were so good. Those movies are really high benchmarks to live up to. And um, I think, I, do you have any theories? Like, I have a theory that they saw what wasn't working. They saw DCEU. They saw mm-hmm. that they couldn't do what Marvel built. Yeah. But I feel that now that they have. whatever they're going to do with the flash it's like they're going to kind of reverse engineer and cheat a system to say we can make all these random movies but because of this multiverse like Michael Keaton now being in the flash movie they're going to try the spider-man approach and say that you know all of them exist here's Mm -hmm. watch this five Batman in a movie
1: yeah, <laughs> right. There, there's so much that can go wrong with that, especially since Spider-Man did it so well. So, yeah, the fact that you have both Ben Affleck, right. and Michael Keaton in this Flash movie that's it, based on Flashpoint is, I I'm not sure how I feel about that. On the flip side, you know, on the one hand, I do think Michael Keaton as sort of a choice and marketing opportunity is hella fun. Yeah. But on the side, a good a great part of that storyline you know, as a comics fan, was that you got a different Batman uh, uh, that that was Thomas Wayne. Yes. You know, yes. And, yes. and to me, that was probably the most interesting thing about Flashpoint, especially the standalone series by Brian Azarello and Eduardo Riso. And they came up with a great... Did you read that series?
0: I know. I, I read Flashpoint, but I didn't read their take oh, on it. Okay. But I know, I know the premise where they make the... Uh the mother
1: uh, yes yeah, and, and spoilers. Martha. that that was a terrific twist and a terrific uh, you know uh, execution and then it was a perfect three issue miniseries for me right out of out of all of those that one worked the the best and and in retrospect you know other I understand why Jeff Johns did it you know I enjoyed the series that the main trunk of the series yeah. For the most part, you know, in terms of the the fun things they did, in terms of uh, you know the Amazon and uh, Atlantean War, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, yeah, when when the crossovers don't quite as, you know don't quite meet up with the expectations of the the uh, trunk series, you know, it, it's just crossover fatigue, right?
0: Yeah, and. It happened. It's it's been happening so much with both companies that it's kind of like, it, it starts to make you feel like, does any of this matter anymore?
1: I, I'm hoping that what we get out of Flashpoint is uh, a setup for Michael Keaton being uh, the you know an old Bruce Wayne mentoring Batman Beyond that's kind of what I'm hoping we get out of this if this is the reason why you know if they are gonna go that route
0: yeah it, it'll it'll work and I think it'll make fandom very happy to see how they they were able to fit that in unfortunately yeah. I I really was hoping that I mean it was a big wish now looking back at it but I was really hoping that they pull off Ben Affleck as Batman because I feel he's he's got all of the 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 dimensions the look everything about it is straight off the page like he's just just right for being Batman, but it doesn't matter if the story's not good, right?
1: I actually finally saw the Snyder cut, again, you know, when when you have a little bit of time and, yep. and you're stuck at home, yep. you know what I mean, under under lockdown. So I, I've been resisting and resisting it, and have, have you seen it? I
0: did, I did. I, oh. I, I rather enjoyed it for the ambition of what he was trying to do. I didn't need, mm-hmm. um, you know everything slowed down half the movie in slow motion <laughs> didn't need that but the things that 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 were left out i can see why you know they were they were fun there was a lot of things there i'm like ah that's i'm really happy that that's what they used that character from man of steel for yeah. that was cool what did you think
1: um to be honest i i i do I can say that, and again, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Zack Snyder's approach to the DC superheroes, to be honest. Uh, you know, I haven't been a great fan of, of the previous movies from Man of Steel to Batman v Superman. To, uh, but it's definitely a leg up from the theatrical cut. That's for sure. It, yeah. it, I, I can't deny that. And the part that kind of intrigues me actually was what they were going to call, uh, I guess, Justice League two. Now that Nolan, I guess uh, after the Snyder cut was released has put his plans online for the, uh, I guess, Justice League movies that he's not going to do now. And that what he teased in the, the nightmare sequence uh, I would. I actually kind of want to watch that movie, cause yeah. it does give him freedom to do this this version of the DC EU in in a sort of weird post-apocalyptic setting. Like I think he would have uh, done that well. Yeah. Yeah. You're uh, right. As sort of almost an Elseworlds kind of thing, as opposed to this being the main. Have you read Injustice, and the main Justice League?
0: Have you read the Injustice
1: series? uh i i know the injustice series i've read actually you know what i did uh read a little bit of it but mostly uh the video game i i know it from but uh i yeah i i think it's kind of cool as an elsewhere it's that injustice yeah siri i highly recommend
0: it <laughs> highly recommend reading that because it's felt like that's what they were setting up okay it was it's it, tom taylor uh wrote injustice so good <laughs> Because, again, free range to kind of take people off the table or put people in places that is, has never been done but it works perfect. It was yeah. really good.
1: So, so, yeah, overall, no for him doing, like, the main line. But if he was going to do this Injustice version, uh, which it looks like he was going to do, uh, I would have been intrigued. Like, yes. I am intrigued by the teases we got, you know, Batman having to team up with Joker. And again, we saw a bit of this in in the, the video game, the storyline for that video game, right, in terms of, uh, I think, the, was it the Joker who killed Lois? Yes. To set off this whole series of events and actually i was surprised uh there's a there's a justice league animated movie i'm trying to remember what it's called that i happened to watch again under lockdown i
0: think it was injustice I... there was one called injustice
1: um was that the one where zod spoilers zod was the father of superman uh wonder woman comes from uh, uh, apocalypse and Batman was actually Man Bat was the twist.
0: That's that is. No
1: justice. Was that called No Justice?
0: No. Um,
1: oh God, that... I gotta Google this now. Yeah.
0: Um, that was that was written by Jam and actually.
1: It was great though. I I it was this this gem that I had completely missed. Yes. And I thought it was fantastic. So it uh, in, again it's in Elseworlds right that That's makes right. perfect sense under the circumstances when you take Bruce Wayne. And again, I I like the fact that it wasn't Bruce Wayne. It was uh, Kirk Langstrom. And I love the fact that, you know, this is is what a Zod uh, version of Superman would be like or a different take on uh, Wonder Woman who was, uh, I I think her backstory was she was uh, from from Apocalypse, basically.
0: Yeah, basically Big Barda as Wonder Woman had she gone bad and accepted
1: is Grand yeah. training yeah 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 that's that's fun absolutely so what is this called? sorry I, I'm, I'm just kind of uh, obsessing right now because I I've been going back and watching a lot of these uh, animated movies uh, oh uh, have you been watching well have you been watching a lot of the Batman animated movies do you have any sort of favorites amongst those
0: um, from the animated movies that had come out from like the, in the 2000s, I've collected almost all of them. I kinda, oh, really? Okay. I, I stopped, um, a few years ago. I think the last one that I may have purchased was the Batman Ninja Turtles team up, which was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Along with the Batman 66 ones, I thought were, were a lot of fun too. But, uh, the, the two Batman... Uh, son of Batman and and uh, Batman versus Robin with Damien I thought was really good
0: yeah and I think from when they did the Justice League war DVD which was basically like the new 52 version of DC they, they made like a universe stemming from there and then that Batman from that movie was the one in the story with Damien and then they oh, make, okay they, they make a universe out of that those justice league movies they do the throne of atlantis then they do like the death and return of superman and then they did hush all under that same sort of um umbrella but the one that i liked the most was um under the hood that was my favorite
1: that one was fantastic as well
0: and it was a really good adaptation and it hit all the heartstrings and really captured what judd winnick was trying to do with that story whereas when they adapted Hush, which I was really happy that they did, it didn't live up to what I was hoping it would be because they had to do it within this now maintained universe. Because yeah, yeah. The timing of it now is all thrown off because none of these, some of these characters are not part of that story. Whereas now they – like Damien shouldn't be in that universe, right? Yeah. He shouldn't have a part to play. I think – I'm pretty sure he was, but um, – I was excited for the DC movie, like the cinematic extended universe, because those animated movies were just hitting them out the park. Some of those Justice League, like when they did uh, Tower of Babel.
1: Oh, yes, yes, for sure. And
0: they adapted that to, I think it was called Doom. So good. Mm -hmm. And the Superman and Batman, the Jeff Loeb stories, that they they brought it to life so well.
1: Well, uh, the for for me, uh one of the high points that I again recently rewatch was uh the adaptation of Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely's uh, uh, All-Star Superman. So good. The fact that they were able to cram like that 12-issue series into into that. Actually, the one that I want to watch is uh, how did you how did you like uh, Batman Long Halloween?
0: I haven't watched that one.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yes, I have not that's, that's where I, I, like I said, all these ones that I would have bought and collected, they put that one out in like two parts. So I know that eventually they're going to release it under one full disc, like they did with um, The Dark Knight Returns. They put it in part oh, one, part okay. two. And then they put it in a full two and a half hour movie, which was tremendous. I really like that adaptation. So I'm just going to wait until I can watch Long Halloween as one.
1: Oh, Justice League God and Monster. Gods and Monsters.
0: That's it. That's Fantastic. it.
1: Fantastic. Like very unexpected because again, this had flown completely under the radar and I was just clicking around looking for DC animated movies to to watch and yeah, that that one really really stood out to me, you know. The, uh, again, especially when something's a surprise. Yeah. No, uh, there's, there's
0: a good collection of them. Even even the original Wonder Woman that they did I don't know why it's so hard for them to make a Wonder Woman movie. Like, Wonder Woman 1984
1: was abysmal. Mm, Oh, God. Don't even get me started. I'm glad I didn't make a special, because, again, I was trying to, you know,. it's like should I wait for the movie theater and right. and I ended up not waiting and it's kind of like yeah that was a that wasn't a very merry Christmas. <laughs> it's oh like, man, it's for Christmas it's just kind of like because yeah. you had high hopes right especially Maxwell Lord and the you know the whole eighties thing and and yeah it was a misfire
0: totally. Uh,
1: Misfire for me was Batman the Killing Joke because, you know, they had to pad that story out and everything they sort of padded out and it just, you know, they were trying to address and make Barbara Gordon have a better arc. But I think they missed the point of that entirely. And as a result, uh, it was just, yeah, a, a compromised, uh, a bit of a compromised mess in terms of the choices they made. I'm
0: I'm very hit or miss with uh, Brian Azzarello and Batman. Sometimes yeah. I like it and sometimes I feel like you're not Frank Miller. You know, this doesn't work. You, the, the whole relationship aspect between Batman and Batgirl was horrible. Absolutely, yes. It, it doesn't – It does, none of it seems organic. None of it – you just – if you totally saw that in a wrong. comic – Yeah, totally wrong because those are – it sounds – I don't know. It sounds patriarchal, but those are his that kids, a, right?
1: As a mentor for her, he's yeah. older. He's he's a father figure, you know. I mean, I at mean... the very
0: least, an uncle, right? Because he's you got yes. James Gord, you got James best Gordon, Houser, Yeah, like this is not the
1: daughter of best friend. This is American Beauty territory we're treading into.
0: Yeah, it just feel it just was, and when so that was one of those moments I feel where was the first time I said oh, I might not buy this one, even though I was so excited for the casting for the yeah. fact that like this is this story is perfectly made to be an animated movie whether it's oh, one hour absolutely. you don't have to pat it, it you just tell, make it
1: 60 minutes make it a 60 minute thing or a 40 minute thing it's and a it,
0: joker story it is yeah. not a batgirl story
1: no, not at all. And and uh, I went to see. I went to the movie theater to see it too. You know how they will show these Batman anime or these animated movies one night only in the theater. Yeah. I I went to see it and and yeah, left left kind of upset to be honest.
0: Yeah, it was. I tried skimming through it to kind of see what it was that they did, and I just I, I go, this isn't the story. You have to. This whole thing should be retelling the Joker. And and mm-hmm. what it is that makes him tick, whether or not you know exactly what his origin is, but you got to understand where it comes from.
1: Yeah, like why, why he pat, becomes
0: Charles Manson, basically.
1: Yeah, like pat out the Joker stuff if you need to. Like that's the stuff we want to see. You know him. Uh, you know him and his the tragedy of his life, right?
0: Especially because they got Mark Hamill back to play the character. So you can now. Yeah, see, for you,
1: sure. You, In one of the most iconic Batman stories of all time. Batman and Joker stories of
0: yeah, all time. You can, and you would be able to let Mark Hamill transition voice acting wise. To say like, let's see what he would have sounded like before he went crazy. Mm-hmm. And we've never heard that played out by the voice. Like Mark Hamill at this point is as much the voice of the Joker as he is Luke Skywalker.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And part of me kind of wanted to see how, let's say, Kevin Conroy and uh, Mark Hamill would do a live action Dark Knight Returns, you know, like uh, uh, even in their prime. uh, This is the one thing about these DC animated castings, like often you can see the characters... Uh, or the actors they cast playing the characters in real life, whether it's, um, uh, Tim Daly or, or Dana Delaney as, as, uh, Superman and Lois, or yeah, yeah, Kevin Conroy as, as Batman, Mark Hamill as Joker, uh, uh, the guy they got for, um, the Highlander guy, Clancy Brown as, uh, Lex Luthor, you know?
0: Right, right. And even, uh, Oh, I can't remember his name now. He's the guy from Firefly.
1: Oh, oh yes, yes, as Hal Jordan.
0: Yeah, that's that is Hal Jordan.
1: Uh, yeah, Space Cowboy as uh, <laughs> again. Why why can't we remember his name? Right. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he's Canadian too, isn't he? Uh, he's he, and he's on a TV show rookie now. Yeah.
0: Uh, oh, it's gonna drive me crazy. We gotta look it up. I'll go crazy. Look it up. Rookie, Look it up, uh, Nathan
1: Fillion. Thank you, for Nathan for... Fillion. That's that's right. That's yeah. right.
0: And he uh, he showed up in the Suicide Squad, and they just k- killed him off so quick. Spoilers. It was funny, but <laughs> it, 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 he would have been a great Green Lantern in in his heyday.
1: No, for sure, for sure. I I think he in in sort of that cowboy attitude. Yeah, and, yeah,
0: exactly. And as
1: charming as Ryan Reynolds can be. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was right for Hal Jordan.
0: No, not at all.
1: You know, a, he could have actually made a good antagonist for, let's say, Nathan Fillion uh, as, as Guy Gardner, maybe.
0: Exactly. That would have been a really – irregardless of the haircut choice, he would have made a great Guy Gardner. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the smirking,
1: the attitude, you yeah. know, the snarkiness.
0: The guy you want to see get punched in the face. Yeah, although
1: right. he did find his, his – like his Deadpool – perfect like he he really did find his character
0: What well, did, uh, did you read deadpool and cable from fabian uh, is
1: this a recent series or the, no, the original
0: the original series?
1: one uh i was more of a joe kelly uh fan so anytime joe kelly or even christopher priest did a good job and and gail simone okay. actually uh are my sort of preferred writers uh if, it, if i did read it it didn't it didn't have much of an impact but uh tell me about it what what well, ap- to you it it was i haven't read much
0: deadpool overall uh, i read a, I read him mostly in the um uncanny x-force and then i did deadpool and cable and um it's a great series like it's a really good series how they use the two of them together and and this overarching story that you're you're in for but there's a a point in it where he in his fighting he actually says – he goes – he refers to himself as a burnt-up Ryan Reynolds. So really? It, yeah. Oh, it, it's hilarious. actually a reference. He's like, why? Because I look like, like a burnt-up Ryan Reynolds?
1: Was this before he was cast as Deadpool in X-Men Origins? Like when did X-Men
0: in... Origins come out?
1: Oh, God. Jeez. I, I feel – It would have been in the – what? What? 12 years ago, maybe? I f- I feel
0: like it would have been... Could have very well been before. Could have very well... Let's do our... We got computers by our side. Let's
1: yeah, yeah. If only the sum total of uh, human knowledge were available to us at our at our fingertips, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. But I'm, I'm
0: pretty sure that it was a, a great reason why he was cast, right? He, he was literally referenced in the book and written ah. that way, so... It's, it's a really good series and a perfect casting choice it's like Nick Fury and and um, Samuel L. Jackson it was just the right the right choice you you, you open the page of Brian Hitch and you see it. it's like yeah that's that's Nick Fury I see where they got that from
1: no for sure for sure and why isn't the Wikipedia telling me the date it should just be there oh 2009
0: okay so definitely before.
1: Mm-hmm. it was the oh, deadpool okay. cable
0: series was from 2004 to 2008 oh,
1: okay so this might have been where the seeds were planted eh? yeah
0: yeah so it, oh, it that's was really cool if you, burnt, it, if you haven't read it if you haven't read it give it give it a go because it's actually i think you would enjoy it the okay. humor's right I mean fabian was co-creator so he he kind of yeah, yeah but the i think it's um Zercher who does okay. a couple, little bit of the but it's, it's really well done. It's a really well, good story.
1: Well, if you story. do take Van Wilder, Ryan Reynolds, you know you can you can totally see that. I think of course if, if the era yeah. we're we're talking about.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's um, uh, it's been so fun to be able to catch up and do this. It's been a long time, man.
1: Oh boy, we we just chatted and chatted and chatted, didn't we?
0: Yeah, it's been I I lose track of time. <laughs> it's a long that's, episode. Yeah. No, absolutely. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here, but we're gonna do this again soon because. We've got so much more to catch up on of shows that we've watched and things that are going on. And, of course, Comic-Con is coming, so we're going to be able to talk about that. And uh, any of the other things that are happening with RAID, we'll, we'll keep talking about them, promoting them, and, and getting some of the RAID guys back on this year to promote what they're working on. It'll be fun. Oh,
1: fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Sam. It's been uh, so good to catch up, and next time we'll do it in person.
1: Thanks, Eric. Anytime. Absolutely. Just let me know and, and I'll be there.
0: I'll throw up the uh, the bat signal or the, the spider symbol or whatever it is that <laughs> will, will work for us. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Rate and review the show. Share it on the different social media outlets if you like good, fun conversation of people who uh, are just talking about the things that they enjoy and griping about nerdy stuff. It's all good fun. Take care, everybody, and stay safe.